Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Meet Kevin Show. In today's interview, we are going to be confronting the founder of the Hexcoin, Richard Hart. I'm super excited to bring him on. I want to hear everything that Richard's got to share. He says he will talk to me and answer any questions I've got until I fall asleep. So I brought a monster and I brought a coffee brought to you by uh, StreamYard. So shout out to StreamYard, link in the description down below. All right, folks, welcome aboard, Richard. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. Awesome. So I want to know, uh, Hexcoin has yeah. a lot of, uh, 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 it gets a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh, it gets a lot of both positive attention and negative attention. I want to yeah. make it clear up front. I'm not paid for this interview. I'm, I'm not an investor in Hex or Pulse or Pulsex. Uh, and I want to understand from you, why do you think Hexcoin has uh, maybe the mixed reputation that, that some folks say it has? And then yeah. how would you characterize it? Well, for the same reason that Bitcoin did. I was in Bitcoin since 2011. I used to mine it on my own computer. I would just double click an EXE file on my computer and my fans would spin up real hard. And a few times a day, 50 Bitcoin would come into my wallet. That's a quarter of a million dollars. So in today's dollars, yeah. <laughs> I think it's more actually. So 50 times 50K is uh, yeah, 2.5 million. It was off by a factor of 10. So, you know, but the trick here is that back when I was doing that, they were only 50 cents each. So now I'm bragging about getting 2.5 million every few hours, but back then you're getting 25 bucks. So you're really bragging about having 25 bucks and having held for a long time. So in Bitcoin, I, when I first saw it, I thought it was a scam. Oh, you guys are going to just print money out of thin air. That's not going to work. And then I saw, and this was, I saw it on Reddit when it was somebody sold their house for a dollar for it. I was like, all right, that, that guy probably just lost his house. So then I saw the Wired News article where they were using it on the dark net. And I was like, oh, there's a market. It's working. So I got in and I got in at the top with everybody else. I helped make the top at $30. And then it went down to $2. That's like a 95% loss. Everyone said it was a scam. I thought it was a scam. But now we find out it's the highest performing asset that's ever existed in the history of mankind. It went from a penny to $69,000, a return of 6.9 million fold 690 million percent and people are pretending like that didn't happen that was a long time ago that bitcoin has had a price since 2010 it's 2022 now that's 12 years so, so you know no, you're, you're <clears throat> making the analogy essentially that that hex is maybe it seems like an earlier form of bitcoin that hey look you can still get hex mm -hmm. now 28 cents or, or or whatever right yep uh now, one of the things you mentioned is that with Bitcoin, we don't print money out of thin air because we're mining it, deflationary currency, limited Oh, no. One, it's not. No, none of what you said is true. That's all entirely false. Bitcoin is not it. deflationary at all. It is inflationary. Miners sell Bitcoin. They harm the price. They buy electricity and mining hardware. So Bitcoin's all about decentralization. But in fact, there's only five or six mining pools that do all of the mining. And there's only three or four companies that make all of the mining hardware. And those are the people that make all of the money from the mining because the economic theory that the cost or resources allocated to extract a resource will trend towards and approach asymptotically the value of the resource. And so as the Bitcoin price ratchets up, the wasting and destroying of the environment with electricity, which you could say Bitcoin's 80% renewable. Fine, I used to be a Bitcoin miner. I know exactly how much I paid for my electricity and I know exactly how much pollution it generated. It wasn't clean energy. So, and then the idea that a decreasing inflation rate is somehow deflation is hilarious. You're just getting, you're getting a, a less inflation over time, 
but the value dollar cost of that inflation is higher and higher because the price keeps ratcheting up because they keep on ramping new users. So people now, always, you, you get this backwards. You described a cost and a negative externality, which is bad for everybody, bad for the environment, bad for the price, but you think that it's actually a benefit. And so you got to know the difference between a feature, a benefit, and a cost. And Bitcoin mining is a cost that's bad for everybody, and you don't need it anymore. There's tons of proof-of-stake networks for years, and they've all been less attacked and more secure than proof-of-work networks. And that's one of the uh, big arguments that Bitcoin maximalists will have is that uh, Bitcoin is much more secure. Uh, and that's why we have proof of work, <clears throat> though, in the future, once we've mined less all secure. coins, we expect a transition. What, what I'm curious, though, for, for um, the difference in Hex is that Hex is uh, a proof of stake coin. Nope. And we do have a set inflation rate. I believe it's 3.69%. Uh, can you tell me wh why, why have any inflation at all then if you're opposed to the mining style inflation in Bitcoin? Because you're essentially saying, hey, the cost of the shovels are going up. So it's becoming more expensive to actually operate the network rather than less expensive, uh, which creates more, more waste. That's your argument. Why this, have any uh, inflation <laughs> then in the hex coin? I think we've hit the uncanny valley. So it's, it's like Dunning-Kruger for smart people. Cryptocurrency and trading are two things that have very high skill caps. And then like 130 IQ guys figure that they're good at everything else. They'll be good at this. But in reality, they're just good enough to be dangerous. So let me clarify some things. First of all, Hex is not proof of stake. It is a hybrid proof of stake, proof of work. We use proof of work on the Ethereum network for transactions. And we, we use proof of stake just for inflation. Because of that, it's more secure than Bitcoin. Bitcoin's had two inflation bugs where anyone could mint as many free coins as they want. One of them was executed on the network in 2010, and they had to roll the chain back because someone minted 184 billion extra free Bitcoin. The same bug, created in a different way, reappeared two years ago and was discovered instead of being exploited by a Bitcoin Cash developer and responsibly disclosed to the Bitcoin core development team, he could have minted as many free Bitcoin as he wanted as well. And why do we keep getting inflation bugs in Bitcoin? Because it is spaghetti code that is not modular, that has no security audits, that has no written spec, and the wallet code touches the consensus code, touches the networking code. So when you try and improve the network, oopsie, you introduce an inflation bug. It's the most common and vile bug in all of cryptocurrency. XLM has had an inflation bug. Hacker dumped it on the market. Ravencoin had a 10% inflation bug. Hacker dumped it on the market. Bytecoin, Monero, inflation bugs. AVAX, inflation bug. Bitcoin, inflation bugs. You know how you solve inflation bugs? You lock your consensus code in a contract that can never be edited or changed, which is what Hex has done, so that you can improve the network all you want and you don't accidentally introduce an inflation bug. Bitcoin.org so was hacked two months ago. Hex.com's never been hacked. The examples. Uh, <coughs> just a question for you while, while we're on this. So. I know that Hex is built on Ethereum, yes. ERC-20, so it's a layer two solution. Mm, Are you essentially suggesting that really. uh, a layer, layer two one. solution is hybrid because it inherits the, the proof of work of <clears throat> Ethereum? Or, or could you clarify that maybe for the sure. viewers? You, you can only mint inflation if you had staked. And so inflation's proof of stake. But you can only also mint that inflation if you submit the transaction to the network, which requires proof mm -hmm. of work. Now, all that will matter a lot less because I've already forked the Ethereum network and it uses proof of stake and you can go use the test net right now and you can see all of your coins that you had on the Ethereum network for free, the world's largest airdrop, by changing one setting in your MetaMask to, and then your keys, you don't have to sign up, you don't have to do anything, your keys already work on my network and the snapshot was from two months ago for test net. 
it removes all of that energy waste. It removes all of those negative externalities. It has higher throughput, lower fees. It's, it's amazing, right? So I'm, so I'm telling you how it works now, but in two months, that won't even matter as much. See, like it's, it's unmutable. We can't change it. The only thing we can do is give people free coins on another network. And then new users that on-ramp can choose whether to pay $100 to do a Uniswap, a Uniswap swap and $20 to send an ERC-20, or they could pay a penny on our network. And I, I think the penny is a better deal. So, so to be clear, the proof of work you're talking about is the proof of work of the actual Ethereum transaction, Currently, yes. not yes. anything to do. Okay, exactly. Right. Yeah. So now it's you've also described it at least when you go to your website, you've described the hex coin as a top uh, cryptocurrency certificate of deposit, potentially even the first and and, and maybe even only. Uh, technically, a certificate deposit is a savings account that's FDIC insured. Do you think that some people mm, might be really. confused by this? Well, it depends on where you live. So the term certificate of deposit is only popular in the United States. Every other country uses a different term. In Europe and Asia, they're called bonds. In Canada, they're called guaranteed investment certificates. And when you put your coat in a coat check, you get a receipt, which is a certificate of deposit. You deposited your coat at the coat check. And so cryptocurrencies attempt to do useful things online in decentralized, trustless, 100% uptime ways and we make analogs. So Bitcoin tried to be a peer-to-peer -peer digital currency, failed entirely. And then it tried to be programmable money, failed entirely. However, it did digital gold really well and went up 6.5 million fold in price, which is a bigger market share and a, a, a bigger use case. So congrats to all of us. So even though Bitcoin failed entirely to be a currency, people still call it a currency. It's called a cryptocurrency and it's even taxed as such. And thus, when we try and make something that approximates a certificate of deposit, in reality, there's very little similar at all. Certificates of deposit your bank have very low volatility. The hex price has went up a million percent in 623 days and dropped 75% like six times. So it's extremely volatile. There's, there's really no similarity other than we monetize the time value of money copying their parameters. So they give you 20% okay. more interest every extra year you lock and we just copied that parameter and put it on the blockchain. So, so a different definition of certificate of deposit. That's what I understand. Now, uh, on this locking, my understanding is for, for people to, to earn their uh, currently advertised about 40% uh, yield, mm -hmm. they have to stake. Uh, yeah. And these stakes come with lockup periods, which well, I believe it, you need to, uh, maybe you can clarify this, unstake or unlock at a specific time. If you unlock too early, uh, you lose uh, half. If you unlock too late, you lose half. Could you explain this a little bit? Sure. What, what yeah. does somebody have to follow exactly to get their 40%? You don't have to do any of that. The vast majority okay. of your USD ROI comes from the appreciation of the coin. The extra 40% year average, 38% currently, it's just icing on the cake. So instead of making a million percent returns, having bought on January 5th of last year and sold three months ago, you could have made 2 million percent returns but you'd have a, an ex, a, uh, end stake period sometime in the future. So you don't have to end stake at all. You don't, you don't have to do any of that. The vast majority of your gains just come from I holding the coin. To, because sure. let's if, call the, yep. like, I'm a real estate guy. In, yeah. in real estate, people tell me appreciation is speculative. I want to know about the cash flow. Sure. What do I got to do to get that 40%? You can lock up between a day and 15 years, which is 5,555 days, roughly. And you choose your term. If you choose shorter terms, then you're going to pay more to gas fees. If you choose longer terms, you get 20% more shares every extra year you lock up to that 15 year maximum. The issue is 
if you, at a bank, withdraw your money early, you're penalized. In this system, if you withdraw your money, you're penalized. Where does your money go? Well, it rewards the people that did what they said they're going to do. I call it the truth engine. And so we have the one of the most compelling things in this currency is it monetizes the time value of money. It monetizes delayed gratification, which is the only long-term thing that works in investing or personal development. It has less negative externalities. I think I already mentioned that one. And it has a chart of future market supply. You don't know when Satoshi can dump on your head. You don't know when Mt. Gox can dump their 140,000 Bitcoin on your head. But in Hex, you know when people can dump on your head because they have a chart of releasing end stakes. And then when you create a stake, you can hit your end stake in a notch where no one else is end staking, reducing the volatility because there could be less sale pressure at that point. It's a very innovative feature. Furthermore, I think it's Nobel Prize worthy in that there is no financial instrument I'm aware of in the entire world that has caused people to lock up their funds for eight years on average, period. If you get a house, you can sell it. If you get a T-bill, you can sell it. If you get a bond, you can sell it. If you lock up your hex for 15 years, you can't get out your principal for seven and a half. If you remove it before then, you'll get hit in your principal. If you go serve half, you'll just lose your interest, but you'll get principal back. It's very fair. Your penalty is directly proportionate to how much you lied about how long you would stake. And then if, if you don't end your stake on time, you have a two-week grace period, anyone in the world can call the good accounting function to stop you from being penalized if you're hospitalized or if you're in jail or if you might want to defer income and, and not have a taxable event look not an accountant not a lawyer get your own pref, uh, financial advice but if you don't mint your coins you don't take dominion and control of them they just are sitting there uh locked and you run good accounting you might be able to avoid a taxable event if you wanted to but if you don't if no one runs good accounting and you don't end your stake and it's been two weeks then you start burning at one percent per week until there's nothing left after 100 weeks so a couple questions out of this. Mm -hmm. Isn't it possible that you could dump shares like Shatoshi? Yeah, anybody. Look, the reason the hex price is dumped 75% six times is because it's very easy for anyone to nuke the price. And it's also very easy for anyone to cause the price to go up because what is, what is the trading volume and order book thickness for a Monet painting? Nothing. But their value skyrockets. Why? Because value is supply and demand. So if you want the world's highest performing asset, you must remove liquidity on the ask side, or you'll never get that type of appreciation. The reason that Bitcoin has done so pitifully, by the way, I called the top on the day. And that top call was good for eight and a half months now, and only out of profit one single day by about 6%, even less than 6% actually. And I do that for free. I give away that knowledge for free. I did the same thing last cycle. Uh, I think it was, yeah. I think that yeah that's funny I, I, yeah. I had a call in January as well April <laughs> that's funny it was a CPI day um, what uh, coinbase launch easy I, I, by the rumor sell the news event amongst other things there you go so mm -hmm. uh, this is interesting because see according to which which I think y'all and, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit too mm -hmm. according to coin market cap you've got a 50 billion dollar market cap which I think you have a different definition but Solana has about a 55 billion dollar market cap mm -hmm. the 24 hour volume on your coin hex mm -hmm. is 29 million dollars yeah the 24 hour volume on solana is a hundred times that at yep. 2.8 billion yep are, are you suggesting that this lack of daily trading volume is actually good for appreciation oh yeah volume is how you measure how much the users are being victimized see you as a speculator you don't make money on volume you lose money on volume volume enriches two parties exchanges that want to see you causing volume to get hit with fees and market makers that want to see you causing volume to pay bid ask spreads and fees but uh, hold on speculators don't make money on volume 
at all. My, my understanding, and, and maybe, and this is where I just want you to fill in for, for the audience, mm -hmm. is that if I have higher volume, I have tighter spreads because the order book is larger. If no. I want to sell a hex and there's a lack of volume, then how can I actually get hex out? What you're suggesting is, That's not uh, how that works. hey, if you want to take it out, you get punished essentially, so you're incentivized to keep it in. Is, is that kind of the reverse psychology you're suggesting? Well, no, people just conflate all these things. So they conflate mistakenly that volume is related to order book thickness. Order book thickness is how good order execution you get. It's how much slippage you have to pay. And so if, if you go to matcha.xyz or oneinch.io and you say, I want to sell a million dollars of hex right now, let's go do that real quick. Let's go do that real quick. Oneinch.io. Launch okay, so I've never heard of this exchange. What, what oh, is sure. that? So, the majority of liquidity for uh, Ethereum, the largest, thickest order books in the world are online, on chain. They're no longer in centralized exchanges, which is beautiful because this means that you can see who's buying, who's selling, what else they own, when they might have stakes ending, what they usually do when their stakes end. It's beautiful and open and transparent, the most transparent trading in the world. When you go on a centralized exchange, you don't know who you're bidding against. You don't know if it's the exchange or in-house in marketing uh, market making team. You don't know whether they're spoofed bids that will get pulled to see you trying to get order execution. It's trash. Centralized exchanges are garbage. They make you beg for your own money. They get hacked all the time. Billions of dollars have been lost to centralized exchanges. So the majority of hex trading is online, which is, by the way, why the volume number is so low. Because when these other coins list on centralized exchanges, you know what they do? They get fee-free trading accounts. And you know what they do with their fee-free trading accounts? They put tons of bids and asks in between the spread and they do tons of volume, but the price never actually moves. It's disgusting. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I sense your frustration <clears throat> with, with the market makers. I, I, uh, I'm not sure I agree with, with uh, order book, uh, uh, you know, with volume. Well, no, I'm going to give you the math right now. I'm going to give you the math right now. Okay. If you want to sell a so million dollars of hex right now, one inch, right? One inch dot. Well, this is, is, is so your example, right? Well, this is just an order order aggregator. So there's liquidity pools and Uniswap and Sushi Swap. They're at about a sixty and thirty percent ratio. Maybe another ten percent bank core and balancer. And what you do is you spread your order automatically using these aggregators like Matcha.xyz or OneInch.io, which I have nothing to do with. And it spreads your order across all the liquidity to get you a better price. Because otherwise, you're going to push up the price on one order book, and then an ARB bot is going to come and sell down right. your high price, buy up the low price. You're just making ARB bots rich. So aggregators stop ARB bots from getting rich, and they give you more money because it makes you the ARB bot. So right now, if you were to sell $1.5 million of hex, you'd get 3% slippage. If you were to sell $1 million of hex, you'd get 2.65% slippage. Do you need to sell more than a million dollars of hex in a single market order instead of using a limit order and being the liquidity yourself and earning that fee yourself? Well, I, I don't mean, think you do. I, I mean, I'm looking at your your daily volume. I mean, this is this is almost similar to just saying one divided by you know the 24 or 29 whatever daily volume. You're about that three percent of of the volume. The concern so much. Go look up the volume on Apple. One person. <laughs> Go look up Apple's volume compared to their market cap. Our volume to market well, we, cap we, ratio we, is very reasonable. Okay, we we can compare that. I guess my question is. If oh, by the way, how much volume should you get on a coin that people on average lock up for six years? <laughs> how are they going to trade it when they lock it up for six years, dude? Like, hey, what happens if something that people only buy and they lock up for six years? Oh, and end has better security than Bitcoin. And by the way, you can look at the price charts. If you go to look into hex.com, you can see the price chart from when Ethereum launched, when Bitcoin launched, and when hex launched. And hex is just doing the same things they did at a higher inclination. This is not unprecedented. How many people are staking? Uh, like what percentage of your wallets are staking? I think only 9.5%, which okay, is so why the ROI is 40%. 9.5% are staking. 
That means 9.5-ish percent is is locked up. Yep. So if if 90% decided today I wanted to sell some and our volume, oh, the price would go to zero. But we didn't have a large order. Book. Yeah, the price would go well, to zero. As a matter of fact, I think you could drive the the price close to zero if uh, you know four or five wheels wanted to do it. Isn't that a concern? Uh, yeah, it is a concern. You know what else it's a concern in? Bitcoin, which drops 85% every three or four years. Ethereum, which dropped 95%, which Hex never did. And Bitcoin, which dropped 65% in 14 days for COVID. It's a concern for all cryptocurrencies. I'm the only person in crypto that tells you that all of these things drop 85 to 95% sometimes. Hex just dropped 80% a few weeks ago. Now it's up 250% in the last 14 days. You want the highest performing asset in the world? Volatility is the price you'll pay. A million percent in two years? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're going to have well, to pay uh, a volatility price for that. It's, it's, it's an interesting argument. We'll, we'll, we'll you, but maybe circle back. Ready? Watch so, this. You could have bought Hex January 5th of last year, sold it on a double, 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 or sold it on a double again. And then just be sitting risk-free with all of your extra profit. Like, I don't know. That sounds like a CNBC article. Um, if sell only the news you would on have those, invested a thousand dollars. Well, but they're all true. Like people say, there's no free money. It's a complete and total lie. Let me tell you all the free money that's in crypto. I got Bitcoin for free by double clicking an EXE ten years ago. People that were in Bitcoin got Hex for free two years ago. People that were in Bitcoin got Bitcoin Cash for free, XLM for free, Byteball for free, uh, and XRP for free. Oh, and by the way, Hex users got one inch for free. Uh, Oh, God. Uniswap for free. People that used uh, Gitcoin got uh, GTC for free. There's free coins coming out the ears. If you, if you used uh, that NFT platform, uh, I can't remember what it's called, the most popular NFT platform, they just had a free airdrop for those guys on Solana. There's free money coming out your ears in this thing. But if you use the old logic that if it's too good to be true, it's not, you will lose millions of dollars of opportunity. This is the one industry in the world where the old logic it doesn't work. Now look, it's full of scams. There's tons and tons of scams, tons and tons of rug pulls. Things go to zero all the time. Bitcoin.org was hacked just a month or two ago. And I had to do a live stream because Satoshi doesn't have the balls to do one or he's dead. So I have to save Bitcoin's users from Bitcoin.org, the core website. I'm the only one telling the truth in this whole industry. But then when I do interviews, people come at me hard like I'm scamming. I've been retired for 20 years. I write self-help books. I do self-help videos. Go look at the oldest books on my YouTube channel. I'm the giving tree. I call the top on the day for free. No paid group. I'm the, I am the well, best person hey, in know, cryptocurrency, period, by far. I've raised the most money I, I for charity, say, 27 million. So, so far, you're being very transparent with, with the risks. Oh, I yeah. ask you questions, and, and you're transparently answering them. So, yeah. so, so thank you. My uh, pleasure. Now, and of course, it's up to the, the users themselves to make up their own decision yeah. as to whether they want to invest or not. Well, let's talk, um, I, I want to just briefly go back to this comment you made because I thought it was very interesting. I wrote it down. You said, uh, you have this Nobel Prize worthy system of essentially being able to get people to lock up their money for eight years where they can't take out their principal for seven and a half without getting penalized. Is is this attractive to people? Yeah, very, extremely. You see, people, <laughs> I'll tell you the secret to cryptocurrency, okay? Because I'm the most honest person in this industry. The only thing that drives prices up is buying and holding. And you, getting you to buy and hold are narrative memes. And it depends on what memes you fall for. You like pretty JPEG pictures and you want to buy a serial number loosely related to a JPEG, which may or may not still be hosted on the internet. Millions of people are falling for that one. The price goes up. Okay. Maybe you fall for the throughput meme. 
We need more empty chains. Okay, maybe you fall for uh, BSC or ETC or hey, my new pulse chain has got four to 10 times the throughput. Maybe you fall for that one. But in the end, you falling for a narrative meme that never came true anyway, like programmable money, you can't program, to Bit you can't program Bitcoin to wake you up in the morning. You can't program it to do anything. It's a joke. Like peer-to-peer uh, -peer digital cash, Nobody's using it for digital cash. You got to wait sometimes three hours to get a single confirmation. Get out of here. It's a joke. But all that matters, oh, by the way, you can't use it anywhere either. You can use it less places now than you could in 2017. But none of that matters. None of those narrative memes that everyone thinks is so important matters at all. The only thing that actually matters is buying and holding. And guess what? There's only two people that get rich in crypto. The people that buy and hold and the founders. Founders of exchanges, founders of currencies, people that buy and hold, traders get wrecked, they get annihilated. They, prov they provide extra yield for the people that don't get wrecked. And so why don't just be honest about it and monetize it and pay people to do the only thing that works anyway, which says, you know what? They're gonna inflate Bitcoin to pay miners to destroy the environment. Why don't we inflate Hex to pay speculators to hold the price up? And then we defend the network's price like Bitcoin miners defend the hash rate. And you have less negative externalities, People don't get wrecked by fees, providing volume to exchanges to make exchanges rich. By the way, isn't it a little disgusting that the Coinbase founder made more money than founder of Bitcoin did? The, the Coinbase founder made more than Satoshi did. And that's the opposite of decentralization. It's not, it's not good. I don't imagine you're very bullish on the Bitcoin Lightning Network, but so I'm it's not going to ask you about it's that. It's garbage. I'm going to ask you about Ethereum 2.0. What, what sure. is that going to do to Hex? Well, it's a really good is it question. Is going to happen? It, it might not ever happen. And it's very poorly designed and it's likely to have bugs and it's been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed, which is the nature of software, but it's a little bit unreasonably delayed. So let me tell you some of the poor design in Ethereum 2.0, which may never happen. And we're beating to market with our own features. Moving to proof of stake, awesome. Removes the destruction environment, removes negative externalities, but they did it wrong. Oh, and it helps the price because miners aren't selling it down all the time to buy electricity and enrich weird mining hardware companies in the middle of nowhere. So. That's all good. The problem is that they introduce centralization and it's already cost people $100 million. So to become an Ethereum validator, you have to have 32 Ethereum. Okay, well, that's 150 grand. You got 150 grand? Oh, by the way, guess what you're buying? A job. You have to have 150 grand of Ethereum and run a server that never has downtime or you get penalized. So you have to have always uptime. If a, if a cosmic ray bit flips your memory, you lose money. So you got to move your servers underwater or under, uh, anyway. So the point is, what do people do? They don't want that job and they don't have 32 ETH. So they give their keys to somebody else. And guess what happens when you give your keys to somebody else? They steal your money or they get hacked and your money's lost. So a company out of Israel called Fireblocks was taking people's Ethereum and putting it into the Ethereum 2.0 staking contract that will give you yield. And guess at some point in the future. And guess what? They lost everybody's keys. So what did we do in PulseChain, PulseChain.com? We said, you don't have to have 32 Ethereum to be a staker and to be a validator. You can just delegate your votes to another validator and you'll make a cut of the fees. And that's it. And so now everyone holds their own keys and it's decentralized. And if this guy goes offline, you don't lose uh, your entire stack. You, you, you know, it's just a better design. Furthermore, we've got battle-tested software that already works and people have lost hundreds of millions of dollars to find the bugs and fix them. When Ethereum 2.0 launches, I bet you there's going to be some bugs that people got a lot of, lose a lot of money to find. And so we're beating them to the market with their own feature set, which is primarily higher throughput and proof of stake to get uh, more price movement upwards and less burning of the environment. And, you know, our test not already works. 
and you can go see your coins on it right now and our main net should be in about two months. So some of the things they want to do are great, but they just didn't go about it the right way. Okay. Uh, for uh, NFTs, which you mentioned folks sure. need to hodl for hope. you I hate those uh, things so much. I, so, I absolutely so hate how, them. How do you relate then to Pulse X? Isn't that built on your network Pulse Chain? So, so basically a good analogy is that uh, Pulse Chain is a fork of Ethereum. That, oh, by the way, it's only deflationary. It burns 25% of the fees and it doesn't have to mint new coins to pay miners. Even in Ethereum 2.0, they still inflate to pay the rewards. So we still have better tokenomics, even if Ethereum 2.0 was gonna launch tomorrow. Pulse X, so Pulse Chain is similar to Ethereum, very similar, like, you know, almost bit for bit copy with a proof of work rotation and uh, improved uh, game theory in the tokenomics. Pulse X is similar to Uniswap. It's an on-chain exchange that uh, also burns fees. And uh, it's, it's unique in that because we're inflating a million times the supply of ETH when we fork it and just giving those to the people that sacrifice to support free speech. In PulseX, people can sacrifice to support freedom of movement and assembly, some rights people forgot that we had. And uh, then you airdrop all those people that sacrificed the free PulseX tokens. And so those guys are going to get because the supply of Pulse is a million X higher, it misprices all of the ERC-20s, which are now called PRC-20s in the Pulse chain. They're all mispriced because their market cap of the, the Pulse is inflated a million X. So you have to drive up the prices on the automated exchanges a million X. In order to do that, you have to add uh, a thousand times more coins on one side and remove a thousand times on the other side. A thousand times a thousand compounds to a million X. And so now the AMM price fixer bot has a ton of PRC-20s it puts those in liquidity on the PulseX pairs, and now you've got the most liquid fee-burning uh, exchange on that whole network. And then you mint an extra coin to provide incentive for people to bridge in their ERC-20s to back the value of the PRC-20s and earn that inflating token as a reward, which helps us reduce the Ethereum fees by redu reducing I, their I load, by removing saying. their users. Matt, <clears throat> essentially, you're, you're uh, like you said, a million Xing and then deflating from there. But that's the hardest concept that we've talked about. And I'm amazed that you actually got that. Like that's that is the hard like that is a really hard one to explain. And congrats on getting that because I probably didn't do a good job explaining it. No, no worries. But I want to ask you uh, and thank you. But PulseX is also going to have NFTs and you don't like NFTs. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, it's going to look, man. Every new chain that launches is filled with scams. And we already see people using the Pulse name to create their own scams on BSC. Pulse Moon, Pulse uh, Shib, Pulse Doge, Pulse whatever. Like people are so excited about Pulse that if you stick the word in anything, people are buying it. So, and I, I hate that. I like just because I'm launching Consensus Network doesn't mean I like all of the garbage that people are using it for. So, you know, when's oh, the last time Pulse you saw it? Go ahead. Is, is this yours? The, the PulseX.com? Yeah, it's, it's just a, a fork of Uniswap. No, somebody else's. And I don't like it so, at all. So this is somebody else's? Yeah, I don't like it at all. Listen to me. Okay. They're going to have a 10% fee to get in and a 10% fee to get out. So if you even ever buy the coin ever, you've already lost 20% on paper. That disgusts me. Cryptocurrencies are supposed to be efficient, which means reduced fees. How could losing 10% of your stack to get in and 10% to get out make any sense? It's an obvious Ponzi scheme. And then it says that they're by hand manually going to hand a, a third of their money to SpaceX at some of the point in the future, a for-profit company that may not even accept their money. It doesn't make any sense. It appears okay, so wildly to be a scam you, to me. 
Because I was going to ask you about that. that no, it seems <laughs> like a hundred percent scam, brother. At all. No, like if you if you wanted to see something that looks like a scam, that looks like a scam. It's unfortunate we have a similar so, name. This <clears throat> is actually your website, which yeah. basically is just a placeholder. Yeah. Right. So if you want to learn kind of what, I mean, that should become a non-placeholder within the next 24 to 30 hours. Um, you know. Well, that's soon. Why? Well, a lot of people, for whatever reason, really want to sacrifice before the end of the year. I'm not a tax advisor, but maybe they'd prefer to have less crypto at the end of the year. So getting the sacrifice phase up and running before the end of the year is extremely important, and it will be. It will be. So. Oh, okay. So, so explain that. Sacrifice is essentially you lose your coins. Sending your money and you lose it. Yep, it's gone. And then you get something and then maybe for free. You get it back in the future. No, you get something for free. And maybe that free thing becomes valuable. Now let me tell you why that's important. If you get an airdrop, you owe money after tax. If you take dominion and control of an airdrop, you owe tax money. And so airdropping you something that's valueless is really good for your tax. <laughs> Not an accountant, but go go Google it. Yeah. So if you airdrop something at zero and you lock in your price at zero and you take dominion and control at zero and then it becomes wildly appreciative, you're in the same situation as Satoshi. You don't own any tax until you sell, depending on your jurisdiction, right? Some people never own tax. So I these things are- say, I <clears throat> talked to a CPA on the it sounds like it's got wash sale written all over it. But then again, we what don't do have mean? to deal with that until December 31st, I don't believe. So that's interesting. It's an interesting argument you're making. <laughs> well, there's other interesting things. Like for instance, the 27 million that I raised for charity, I did That's that great. by allowing people to sacrifice directly to a 503c registered medical research charity. And then they uh, gave a spreadsheet of, you know, what address caused what donation. And that's 100% tax write-off. And I and a lot of those people, they might not have, uh, you know, sacrificed just to support free speech. You know, maybe it's, I found a way I've raised more money for charities than anyone else in cryptocurrency because I found an intelligent way to do it. And let me tell you what the loophole is. The loophole is that if a charity directly gives you something in exchange for a donation, it is not a write-off. So if you buy a ticket for an event from a charity, it's not a write-off. Well, maybe, maybe services might be, but definitely products are not. And so the idea that a third party is the one watching the state of the world and rewarding for you for doing something honorable is is really unique and something I invented. And as far as the Nobel Prize worthy <laughs> thing, yeah, it's important, man, because think about it, how much unfair taxation is going on in this world. Think about how much tax you pay. You get taxed on the money that you get. Your employer gets taxed on hiring you. You get taxed on being hired. You both have to forcibly pay extra fees. And then when you go to buy a product, there's tax on the gas that delivered it to you. There's tax at the point of sale. You know, in the United States, you used to be able to buy on the internet without paying local state sales tax. Nope, they got rid of that too. Now you got to pay tax no matter where you buy something from. And they just where, keep where ramping it up. Secret, I don't tell anybody. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I used to live uh, in Florida. So I lived in Florida for a long time. If you listen to my live streams, you'll hear European sirens in the background sometimes, so. So Puerto Rico. <laughs> you know, they've got a great tax structure in Puerto Rico. And if you can move there and pay 0% capital gains tax, I firmly suggest that you do so uh-huh so um what um why why is it oh you're still that, an american uh, by the way puerto rico's in america you get to keep your passport this is true yeah. why is it that uh <clears throat> you're not listed on coinbase kraken binance you're, you're on the DeFi's. like you know obviously you mm -hmm. swap you mentioned that you're sure. 
And yep. why is it that coin market cap seems to, you know, have have this disparity with you on mm -hmm. what your market cap is? They always have you above two hundred in terms of. Rank We're always two hundred. What's going always on? Forever. Why do they not like you? They're a bad company, and we're not the only people All they're doing them. that to. There's lots of coins that they do that to. So back in the old days, you used to be able to use exchange listing as a proxy for quality. And so you wouldn't want to rank things that would scam people. And then you would use the filter of, are they listed on a good exchange to try and tell where quality is. And I can tell you that Brian Armstrong, the founder of Coinbase, the most highly funded and valuable publicly traded cryptocurrency exchange, has personally said that listing on Coinbase is 100% not a proxy for value, and they will list anything that's legally able to be listed. And they list a lot of trash. So they never updated their worldview, and they still use things like which centralized crap exchange are you on, even though crypto is made to get rid of all those things, to decide whether you get ranked or not. Furthermore, they don't even care to even... Occasionally, we do end up on the front page of CoinMarketCap because they're so not good at their job that they don't gatekeep us properly. And every once in a while, the engine sticks us where we belong on the front page. So if you, if you look at Hex and you say, we have 400,000 staking addresses that are unique, and these people pay high fees now in order to become stakers because the fees on Ethereum are high. This is the most real metric by which, well, actually, there's 400,000 addresses that hold. I think there's maybe 80 or 100,000 staking addresses. I have to check the numbers. You can go to hex.vision and look it up or staker.app. So what cryptocurrency ranking would we be if you just ranked our community or how many people have hex tattoos or how many people you see in Twitter threads that are hexagons or how many millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars of market sales has tried to nuke the price and the buyers have just ate it all up. They don't care. You know, when you go up a million percent, people empty their bags and sell everything. They can't handle gains that are that high, which is why almost no one made the 6.5 million X return of Bitcoin because they thought they were smart when they sold on a 1X, 10X, 100X, 1,000X, 100,000X, a million X. Guess what? You sold at a million X, you lost out on this next 6.5X. <laughs> so, you know, people don't realize, and this, this concept of being illiquid, be the liquidity, set a limit order. It's as liquid as you want it to be. The price will never pass you by. You will get filled before the price goes any higher. And you don't have to pay slippage. You don't have to pay the bid ask spread. You don't even have to pay gas. You can set limit orders on oneinch.io without paying gas. So, you know, they look at they look at this liquidity that you'd have to use for a market sell, and they think that that somehow is equivalent to what the actual liquidity is. The actual liquidity for any market is offline. The vast majority of people that would buy a house don't have open orders for houses. The vast majority of people that would sell a house don't have open sell orders for houses. And it's the same for stocks. It's the same for every asset. And everything's gains on paper. Everything. What if everyone sold all the houses at once? They go to zero. What if everyone sells all the stocks at once? They go to zero. What if everyone sells all the gold at once? It goes to zero. Which is why you have to use, this is what I was talking about, the Dunning-Kruger problem. You have to use probabilistic, more advanced thinking. What is the probability that everyone's going to ruin the float and need to sell at once? And you can see that it happens 85% drops in Bitcoin, in Ethereum, in everything. Everything drops 85% against except stable coins. Right, right. Everything. It, it, I mean, certainly it would take a lot more people wanting to sell if, if volume were higher to, to affect a larger price. Well, change, no, it's just those people are richer. It's the same number of people. They're just richer people. Okay. Did you so, know that only 42%, did you know only 2,000 addresses holds 42% of all Bitcoin? 
Fact. Uh, I don't know what the exact number is I right do. now, but I'm going to come back to search and ask Bitcoin you about, rich list. Uh, centralization as well. We'll pull it up. But uh, we know the Satoshi wallets, they have a lot. And some of them have been activated. About a million coins. And we've had quite a few large activations this year. So no. that is something people are looking at. You're, you're mm -hmm. not wrong about that. Uh, but I want to ask you this. I'm year. not so wrong about anything, if, Kevin. If I, pull up, I was told to be humble when I came on the show. I'm like, uh, nah. You're, you're fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, you, you do you. So this is you on Etherscan. This is the hex token. Sure. Uh, and if I click on the contract, yeah. Uh, and uh, when, whenever this actually loads, there we go. Yeah. Uh, why is there a little button here that says you're blocked by uh, a partial or blocked by custodial stablecoin providers like US Tether uh, and uh, USDC? That's not true. I don't know what that means. Oh, you know what that might mean? So I'll, I'll tell you what I think it might mean. ERC-20 standard behavior is that if you send coins directly to the contract, you lose them forever and no one can ever retrieve them no matter what, ever. And then people beg USDC and USDT to reverse those transactions on their behalf because they can, because they have admin keys. So I think what that means is that USDC and USDT either won't bail you out or something. I don't know if you mouse over it, maybe there's a tooltip, but the, the code works yeah, perfectly flawless it, yeah. for years and years and years. Yep. Okay. All right. That's interesting. We, we Every, everything else around us has failed. We have had 100% uptime in the front end and the contract and the claiming. 100 perfect flawless operation. No one can possibly do better. 100% as good as it gets. So speaking of 100%, mm -hmm. uh, how much of Hex do you control? Well, in crypto, you never tell people about your wallets because maybe someone will hit you with a wrench attack and beat your keys out of you. Now, luckily, I, I don't have my keys in my head, so you can beat me with a wrench as much as you want. But no especially if... Attack. Yeah. If you live in the United States, uh, they do swatting on you. So they call the uh, the local police force and say there's a hostage situation at your address and that they can't stay on the phone very long. And then the SWAT team comes and drops a flashbang on your infant through the window and kills your dog and discovers there was nothing really going on. So I don't suggest that anyone in cryptocurrency, or really the internet in general, disclose where they live or how much money they have, even though I've got about $3 million of watches sitting here for flexing purposes. Um, yeah, so I, I think what you're looking for is I think the price will dub if it's centralized. So can you show me if it's centralized or not, right? So now I'll just tell you about all the centralization I can find because I think that will fulfill you, your question. Well, I, want, I want to talk about yours, not not the other coins. Well, I can tell you 50% of the supply went to an origin address. Is that enough centralization for you? I can tell you Elon Musk owns 20% of uh, Tesla. Is that enough centralization? See, well, people... So go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going, keep going. Well, people, people have these ideas that I have to de-educate them about. So people think that centralization and ownership is bad. Now, I just told you a minute ago that 42% of all Bitcoin is in 2,156 addresses. 2,176, last I checked. Has that been good or bad for price? It's been very good. Why? Because they don't tend to sell. And we see the same thing in Hex. We see whales that have hundreds of millions of dollars of Ethereum, double the price in a single transaction, and then they lock up their coins for 15 years. They don't care about the money. For them, they just want to feel richer. It's kind of what I'm doing. Right? Like I, I've been retired for 20 years. What am I actually like, what am I going to do? Buy better stuff? They don't make better stuff. I drive a Ferrari. I've got $3 million of watches sitting here. I got the best speakers, best TV, best blah, blah, blah. What am I really doing with that money? For me, it's glory. I'm in this to win. I want to be the best cryptocurrency founder. And I think I am. And I want to have the best price performance, which I think we already had. And I want to have the best security and the best uptime, the best feature set, total vertical integration. I want the wallet. I want the consensus network. I want the value storage. I want all of it. And we almost have all those parts. We have hex value storage. We have pulse chain consensus network. We have pulse X trading. The only thing I'm missing is fiat on ramps and wallet. 
And MetaMask is friendly enough that we don't really need to address that. We really just need the fiat on-ramps. And by the way, uh, Coinbase, or rather CoinMarketCap, is under a lawsuit about them misranking and lying about our rank. So you can look that up. It's a public class action lawsuit from California. And is that filed by you or, no, or no. by your... The Hexagon community. It's a guy named... Uh, okay. I think his screen name is Johnny Chaos, but if you look up the, the action, you can learn his real name. Mm. Um, and what's the status of that lawsuit now? Where do you stand? Well, they've got served. You know, they waited till the last minute to acknowledge that they were served, and now it's... Uh, in process, you know, okay. because they're, they're hurting so, the world. They're, they're putting things on the front page that go to zero and rug pull like yams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They funnel users into that. And then they don't put them into something that's had a hundred percent security and it's, it harms the users. It's disgusting. Every coin ranking now, site and advertisement site makes money on showing you ads and who pays for those ads. Usually people that are going to victimize you, like eToro.com. eToro.com at the top of their website says 67% of people lose money with us. And they have the biggest marketing budget you've ever seen in your life. They've got their name everywhere. And how do they get it? By victimizing users. By making you increase the volume and pay higher fees. Or shilling you coins that are actually terrible ideas. And those are the guys that get a free pass and buy all those ads. And who gets gatekept? The people that aren't victimizing you. The people that everyone wins. There's only 30 days of people, maybe 50 days of people in the entire history of Hex that could have possibly bought a higher price than the price is right now. Period. Everyone's in profit except for a few little guys. Okay. So what about, how, how do you respond to, and maybe they're, they're wrong, but I mm -hmm. want your opinion, on coin market cap, the top 100 hodlers of BTC control about 13.5%, according to CoinMarketCap, so mm -hmm. right here, 13.55%. Yeah, sure. They go to Hex, the top 100 holder accounts mm -hmm. control 46%. And then yep. there's also, which is just part two to this, this that I want you to address, both of them at the same time. Uh, there's also this talk about, uh, about 170,000 accounts that were created roughly at the same time mm -hmm. as your origin wallet. Uh, that were then mm, uh, no. essentially airdropped uh, 100 to 101 hexes. I think that uh, it, there's been multiple airdrops. So uh, I think the first airdrop was someone sent a quarter of a million addresses, which were the richest addresses on Ethereum, 101 mm. hex, which at the time was like barely anything, to right. try and get around the gatekeeping and the censorship. So when you're being gatekept by centralized scumbags that profit on victimizing their users, which is every news site and every ranking site selling ads to people that hurt their users. When someone comes around to remove all the volume and get them to lock up their coins so they stop getting victimized and stop making exchanges rich and stop making market makers rich and stop getting rug pulled and exit scammed, when that comes along, it scares them because we're gonna lower their profits. They're gonna make less money the more people that are on hacks. So what was the question again? The difference in the top 100 hodlers. Oh, right. Yeah. So what you do is you've got to get the word out there. And what's one way to get the word out? Give people free money. Like you get coupons in the mail and the newspaper. You give them a little bit of free money. They take a look at what it is. They see if they like it. And then some of them on-ramp and get more. Just like we gave away free uh, hacks to Bitcoiners if they did a free claim. This was somebody just giving away free hacks uh, to try and on-ramp the users. And that happened months and months later. And then it was done again for people that were using the Monarch wallet. We're the first people in the world to use layer two ZK sync, ZK rollup technology to, to do an airdrop. Vitalik was begging people to use ZK in order to reduce the load on the network. No one would do it. So Hexagons did it. And we were the first airdrop on the first users and still the highest ERC-20 balance on the ZK sync wallet, if you go look at it. 
maybe they have USDC higher, but under USDC and Ethereum, the highest balance of any coin there, which means adoption. And then if you go in Monarch Wallet, you can see the ZK Sync balance. I believe it was also the first mobile wallet in the world to show you your layer two balances. We innovated all that. We invented that. But people pretend we're not kicking their butt. We're kicking everyone's butt. We can't win any harder. The only things that could make hacks better are things that have nothing to do with hacks. Fiat on ramps, and that's about it. <laughs> so like, yeah, I mean, in, in <clears throat> fairness, it, it when you go to DeFi Llama, y'all are sitting at about seventeen point eight bill uh, of hex staked. That's roughly as much as Terra Luna has on on its own chain, uh, and uh, I think that puts you about fourth in total value locked on the Ethereum blockchain. So, now let's bad. let's talk about this locked. Their locks are a lie. Everyone else's locks in cryptocurrency are a lie. If you have money in your wallet, is it locked? No. Okay, but then you deposit somewhere else and can remove it whenever you want, but now it's called locked? It's just in a different wallet of yours. It's not locked at all. But in Hex, when you're locked, you're actually locked. It's another example of everyone else lying and us doing it better, but then somehow magically people point at us and go, oh, you're bad. Yeah? And the other thing, oh, I like people that call me a scammer. I've been doing business for 20 years, like retired for 20 years, had a car stereo store, a mortgage company, miracle cleaner, sex toy store. I had everything. Where's all the complaints? Where's the complaints about people that got screwed in anything I've ever done? Anything I've ever done in my entire life, everyone has got a fantastic deal. But I get still I, called I a scammer. It's I, amazing. I'll just ask you. I read one thing about something about some lawsuit about Viagra. I wasn't going to bring it uh -huh. up. But you, I was and, one of the oh, first people ask. in the world to get sued for spam. I have nothing to hide. Okay. I was one of the first people, I guess, except where I live. And there's a lot of people that know, but they're just not on the internet. Um, I was one of the first people in the world to get sued for spam. I was living in the back of my car stereo, car stereo store warehouse at the age of 19. And uh, I opened my door one day and there's like a process server there. And she hands me a lawsuit for $500 in Seattle, Washington. I call my lawyer up. My lawyer says, yeah, it's a it's small claims court. You can't have a lawyer represent you. You have to go in person. Oh, I got sued for $500 in small claims court, civil court in Seattle, Washington, and I can't have a lawyer defend me. So it costs me more than $500 to go there and defend myself. So I lose a default judgment for $500. And then people call me the biggest spam king in the world because I just happened to be mm. one of the first people this ever happened to because Seattle had just, or rather the state of Washington had just created that law. And this was the first guy to go and try and use it. It's hilarious to me. Like, and then it's <laughs> like, and by the way, since I'm such a spam king, where's all the hex spam, bro? Where's all the hex spam? <laughs> I don't I get, get a it. a lot of donations from your hexies in my... <laughs> Look, I'm not, I'm not call it that's the opposite of spam. You're making money on it. You're not losing money on it. Uh, it and look, <clears> I just want to be transparent. I, I, I don't own Hexcoin. I'm not paid for this interview. But a lot of people have been asking me for a long time and sending donations in my yeah. live streams for me to do this. And you, That's not why I'm doing this. I don't know. Honestly, but, I, I replied to somebody's tweet the other day. I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. So, and, and we so could, far. We can have this conversation about anything. The response is insightful. Yeah. I, I think Thank they you. merit more you know, a little well, go ahead. research. We I'm have done. the most I, open I, I and transparent stuff on the, on the entire web. Our trading is the most transparent in the world. Our stats are the most superior in the entire world. If you go to hex.vision, you can write your own stats queries because we, uh, we abstracted all of the parameters of all the stuff you care about. Who referred who? How long are stakes? When are the stakes ending? Show me the chart of future stakes. Uh, how, who paid okay. fees? It's all in so hex.vision. Yeah. What? How do you like? Why should somebody invest in Hex versus, let's say, Ada or Solana, another mm -hmm. you know layer two? 
It depends on what meme you want to fall for. Do you want to fall for the memes that, oh, people are going to buy this because they're going to use it? Like Ethereum Classic? Ethereum Classic has no users. It's worth billions of dollars. It has no users. It's worth billions of dollars. Okay, so what's the meme there? It has high throughput that no one's using? Or do you want to have the truth? The truth that the only thing that the order book cares about, the only thing that the price cares about is buying and holding. Do you want more negative externalities or less? Remember Zcash? Zcash has a building with a bunch of guys working there, burning money, selling the coin down all day, every day. There's no hex building. There's no hex overhead. There's no one doing work for your profit. And therefore, no one has to sell the price down. And so it just has less heaviness on it. And because people lock it up, it becomes more and more rare. I mean, right now, the, be the only chart in the world that I know of better than the hex.com price chart is the share price chart. Because, you know, the hex price went up 10,000 X in 623 days, but the share price went up more. I think it went up 16,000 X. So share, like hex shares are equivalent to like Bitcoin miners, except you get them for free when you lock up your hex and you, you don't have to pay for electricity to run them. You don't have to have a facility. You don't have to like, it's awesome, right? And your hex shares become more valuable over time because the price only goes up in hex terms to simulate compounding interest. Whereas if you have a Bitcoin miner, it only goes down in value over time because new technology replaces you. If you're really smart about crypto or you want to learn more about the differences between Bitcoin and Hex and how they're similar and how they're different, just go to hex.com slash tech specs. It's really intelligent. You'll, you'll learn some things about the Bitcoin network you never even knew before. I have to de-educate people. People say inflation's bad. Oh yeah, inflation's bad. Explain to me why the best performance that Bitcoin ever had when it was inflating at 100% a year when it first launched. Oh, maybe inflation isn't bad. This is the Dunning-Kruger problem. Inflation does matter, but it doesn't matter as much as the rate at which you can on-ramp new users, and it's easier to multiply your, your user count when you start with a lower number. And all of these proof-of-work networks inflates like heck, all of them, because they have to pay miners. There used to be no Bitcoin in the world. Now there's 18 and a half million Bitcoin. Where'd all the Bitcoin come from? Inflating the heck out of it. And so there's these nuances about the ratio of how many people know about it now to how many people know about it the future that's the actual potential for a speculator. There's reflexivity. People buy because the price went higher. They sell because the price went lower. People love buying tops, love selling bottoms, the opposite of what they should do. And so you have to account for reflexivity. You have to account for earlier emissions, which I chart for you in Bitcoin on that website, hex.com slash tech specs. And then when was the best time to, so people try and insult hex because they say it's centralized. Okay. When was the best time to buy Bitcoin? When Satoshi owned 100% of the coins and there was no volume and no liquidity. When was the best time to buy Google? When the owners owned 100% of the coins and there was no inflation and no, or no uh, supply, no volume and no liquidity. And so okay, people look sure. at opportunity I, I, and I think that. that it's the opposite of opportunity and it drives me crazy. Everything that that's successful in this world is centrally owned, period. Everything, it, it including the United States. The fact that when Google was created, you were investing at the highest risk point as well, because it could have just as easily gone bankrupt, just like Tesla, even as close as three years ago, could have gone bankrupt. Hex is but, only two years old. Uh, let me ask you this. It, you say yours is is potentially the, the better meme, so to speak. Uh, I, I don't know if you would re reference yourself as, as, as a meme, but uh, you say it's easier to hodl uh, because of the staking and the yield parameters, but 85% of the people don't. Uh, well, think of, well, sure, you can track that down. Half of those coins are the origin addresses, daughter coins. So the origin address used to get coins during the launch phase. It would get half the coins. It would have got less if more free climbers claimed, but only 3% of possible Bitcoiners uh, that could have claimed did. Still billions of dollars, but it was only 3%. So, which raised the share that the, the origin address got. The origin address used to send its coins to other addresses, and those addresses would stake for a very long time. 10 year, nine year, eight year, seven year. 
The problem with that is that it reduces the market cap because those coins are burnt and it reduces the APY for other stakers because it's creating tons of shares and it's hard for other people to create shares. And so at some point, I think maybe a month in, it's all on chain, can verify it all. Instead of sending to addresses which would go stake for a long time, it would send to addresses that just wouldn't stake. And what that created, if you look at the chain analysis, you don't know who the other addresses are, but you can look at their behavior. The chain analysis is that apparently the largest whales in this ecosystem prefer to let everyone make very high APY and have a higher market cap at the, to on-ramp new users. Now, let me tell you why that might be a good idea. If you own 50% of the coins in something, or you own 50% of the supply in something, like say, every single founder of a public traded company used to. So Bezos used to own 50% of Amazon. Musk used to own 50% of Amazon. But then over time, they choose to own less. Why? To on-ramp and make a bigger pie. So they own a smaller piece of a larger pie. They end up making more money. If your game theory is, I just want to own all of the pie, then you can only 2x your stack. You can only 2x your value, period. If you already own half the coins and you work hard to get the other half, you've 2x your stack. That's garbage. Hex's price has gone up a million percent, which is 10,000x. So the magic to designing a cryptocurrency in any speculative instrument is the on-ramping of the maximum number of users and making the largest impact because that matters exponentially more than owning a larger percent of the stuff. Because those coins that aren't staking right now, they could stake and then the interest rates would go down, but then people would only have the price chart to look at. Now it would probably amplify the price chart because people would, the people that would be selling would be getting less coins. And so it kind of auto balances like Bitcoin hash rate. If the hash rate's too high compared to the value, miners lose money, they turn the hash rate off, it auto balances. If the staking rate is too high, then people might end their stakes because the payout in hex terms is lower, but then the USD value would pick up because people are getting paid less coins, right? So it's, it's okay. this auto balancing system. So, so I, I, I gotta understand this. I hear you talking about the past price, which you acknowledge is speculative, uh, which I appreciate that you acknowledge sure. that. Yeah. Uh, There's no base now, demand for any also, cryptocurrency. It's all right, speculation. So you, you also mentioned that the original address at one point sent coins to other addresses sure. to stake, and then later sent coins to other addresses to that not didn't stake. stake. Yes. This this implies that individuals were depositing hex and, and that basically more hex was being staked and, and being locked up and potentially paying out other stakers, right? But the, the question here then becomes- The more people that stake hex, the less each staker makes because they're sharing from a common pool. They, they make sense. The API yeah. goes down. Yeah. But the question here is how many of that 13% of the wallets that are staking right now yeah. are from that original origin wallet? Because I think it's 15 or wallet, it was at one time a maximum of 20%. And then I think that the one-year stakes ended when one year passed. And then just recently, two-year stakes um, have ended as well. And so it might be down to maybe 15% of the total shares are in the hands of the origin address. And it would be even less, except the origin address daughters staked for so long that they got a higher multiple. So it's, it's, it took fewer coins to generate uh, 15 or 20% of the shares because the stake lengths were so long. But if you do the chain analysis, the origin address has never sold a single coin ever. So when you see the price dump 65 or 75%, it's normal users doing it, taking profit, buying Lamborghinis and houses and golf courses. There's okay, a lot so of very rich people in Hex, a lot. A couple things to clarify here. You, 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 first of all, you're saying 15% of the, of the 13% shares. or of the, all the shares? Yes, 15% of the 13%, yes. Okay, 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 I'll make so that clear. It gets reduced now, twice, yeah. That, that makes sense. So now those staking periods, wh whatever that was, mm -hmm. at one point it may have been, it sounds like as high as two or 3%, whatever. Those mm -hmm. 
people have, or, or wallets, have ended their one or two year stake, you said, or a lot yeah. of them have ended their one or two year stake. Yep. Maybe there were even more previously. Mm -hmm. What happened to the hex then? Where did the hex go? Because now those are all individual addresses. You oh, they just, it the just sits there. Never that's, sold a single. that's the reason. Well, that's the reason the staking participation is so low, right? So, like, there's a lot of whales in hex that have really long time horizon thinking. So they'll either stake for 15 years or just get diluted now in order to on ramp more users, is my guess. Because otherwise, why wouldn't you take the free money? Because you can stake for just a day, right? So I think, I think if a lot of users aren't staking, it's probably because they have like an alternative, maybe marketing method, right? Motive. Cause you, you have to understand, first of all, when you quote somebody that they can make 10,000 X returns, it sounds like a scam. So it's easier to actually on-ramp a user saying it's a 40% APY cause they can believe that. But if you tell them it's actually 1.4 X times your USD return, which is a million X and you're like, or 10,000 X, it, it, it's shocking to people. They can barely believe it, you know? And if we showed them all the free money that was airdropped to us, they wouldn't believe that either. It's just, and by the way, here's the sad part. If you do get them to believe that, then it opens them up to start getting scammed by all the f scammers out there. And so there's this art that I call the risk diode where you can warn people about scams without telling them the URL to go to, to get scammed. And so people that are already being scammed know to be careful or, or get out. And the people that haven't been introduced to the scam yet, they don't know what to type in order to get introduced to it. I see people do this okay. wrong all the time. I appreciate that. I'm gonna, I'm <clears> gonna go. I want to ask this in a different way. Mm -hmm. The original wallet yeah. uh, sent coins mm -hmm. to stake wallets. It sent coins Plus to other addresses, which then staked. Right. For for, for one to two years. And well, a no, it was it was an average of five years, and oh. then so it was like, it, it, if I remember correctly, I haven't done the chain analysis in a while. It would the daughter addresses would have ten nine eight seven six five four three two one year long stakes, spread out over like every day, so, and then now that two years has passed, all those stakes that, uh, you know, it's funny the community, <laughs> the community noticed that uh, some of these daughter addresses were getting or about to get penalized by fees because they hadn't mm -hmm. ended their stake within, uh, within uh, two weeks. And so this guy named uh, John Wick in Hex Trading Chat, we've got like 10,000 people in this chat that eyeballs every wallet. Oh, this guy's end stake's coming up. Is he going to dump? Is he not going to dump? Oh, this wallet's been buying. Look how much more dry powder he's got. They do all the chain analysis. Like when the price moves, I go to Hex Trading to find out why it moved because those guys already know. So this guy, John Wick in there, he paid $5,000, I think, in gas fees to end a whole bunch of daughter stakes that were going to start being uh, penalized. And here's the reason why I did that. When you have an expired stake, those shares that are in the pool are diluting everybody else's payouts. Now, long-term, when someone finally does uh, good accounting or end that stake, it removes those uh, expired shares, which increases everybody else's payouts. And it also deploys the harvested uh, penalties to the stakers as well. And so he just wanted the, the higher APY now instead of later and so he caused the good accounting function to be called, which pulled the expired shares, which increased everybody's daily payouts now. At the cost of later, it would have been higher if they kept letting it tick through and, and burn its, its stakes. It's totally trustless. Like the community just did everything. It's awesome. They're public That's functions. It's a very interesting example of the, the good accounting function that you talked about. What, what I want to, uh, let, me, let me try it this way. Sure. So 
what kind of is your attention just to try and point out like hey the price could dump to zero because like there's centralization or like what's no, no, the motive? No, you already made that clear. Okay, you've been super transparent that yeah. the price could go to zero. Yeah, I have I have no ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. I, well, you've been transparent about that, yep. and I I respect you for that. What I'm trying to understand, you know, interesting fact: you can't actually drive a Uniswap V2 pool to zero by trading. <laughs> you can only approximate cool. zero, but it could get we'll, so close we'll, to zero we'll, anyway. Yeah, we, I appreciate that. Okay, so what I'm trying to understand is this: mm-hmm. Origin Wallet here on the left, yeah. at some point, sent money to daughter wallets yes. that stake. Yes. Let's say these two ended their stake. Yes. You Those coins have just Origin sat there. Wallet, They've never moved again. Yeah, so you said this has never sold. You're, what you're now saying is that these right here... Neither the origin or any of the daughters has ever sold anything on-chain that we can see. Now, look, those transfers, you don't know what the transfers are, right? It could be anything. It could be the same right. entity as other wallets. They could have been private sales. It's not known. But what we do know is that none of those coins has ever hit an exchange anywhere ever. None of them. Which okay, okay, might well, be part on. of the reason the price has gone up a million percent. Well, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> because you just said that these right here, mm-hmm. these dollar wallets, yeah. have never sold on an exchange. But Correct. you don't like exchanges. So wouldn't you sell it on a not exchange? I Let me ask you this. I've been retired for 20 years. There's rumors that I received a million Ethereum during the adoption amplifier launch phase of Hex. There's, there's rumors that I have something to do with these sacrifices. And there's 250, $240 million of stable coins sitting in the pulse chain sacrifice. The next Pulse X sacrifice is coming up soon in a few days, one or two days at pulsex.com. And I wouldn't be surprised if 100 or 200 or 300 million came in from that. Now, at some point, why, why are all these whales and hex accumulating more instead of dumping it and selling it? Because why would you sell the world's best performing asset when you could buy it? You know, the De Beers company? You ever heard about diamonds being worthless? Diamonds, of course. Yeah, they're worthless. Go try and buy some of these worthless diamonds. Turns out they're really, really, really expensive. Ask how I know. There's 3,000 stones right here. Double-sided. I got this yeah. as a gift from a hexagon. These, I got $3 million of watches there. I know exactly what diamonds cost. Supply and demand is the only thing that matters. And the, I know personally and have met with billionaires that are accumulating the heck out of Pulse, Hex, and PulseX. All three. I've met them in person. Real billionaires with more money than you could ever dream multiple, like a couple of them. So, you know, (laughs) those guys have enough money to drive this price as high as they want to drive it. They could, you know, depending at the rate that they want to on-ramp, the price could become really, really silly because we're pre-viral. People talk about hacks and look at things that are wrong and don't realize that those are opportunities. The best time to buy Bitcoin was when it was nowhere and people were calling it a scam. The best time to buy hacks is when it was nowhere and people are calling it a scam. Because when the gates finally do open, when we have the world's largest airdrop and they look at this chain and they see what's doing the volume and they see that there's tons of hex volume because it's mostly hexagons or at least a large part hexagons. Our pulse chain chat room is nearly twice the size of the hex chat room, even though hex has been around for years longer. So from, for some reason, pulse chain is an easier pitch for people to digest and they want to on-ramp harder, which is interesting. Um, I, I think that these are all opportunities. Having no exchange listings is an opportunity. Having no good ranks on large coin market cap sites is an opportunity. Being called a scam by everyone is an opportunity. We did a million X on being called a scam. I'm cool with it at this point, fine. Because you guys that think it's a scam, you can't sell because you never bought. But some of you guys will see the truth, see that it's an amazing opportunity. And all you can do is move the price up. So it's asymmetrically uh, beneficial. Okay. <clears throat> all right, so you, you mentioned you don't like exchanges. 
and you prefer well it's regulatory arbitrage it's disgusting these guys right you you prefer stuff like like one inch and and oh, yeah. the, the DeFi exchange hundred percent right hundred percent okay absolutely so is it possible that these daughter wallets are selling mm -hmm. on DeFi exchanges no it would be on chain the coins have never moved they've never moved so nothing that's gone they've the moved once wallet has moved out of these daughter wallets never nope okay. so you want to talk about the number one hero number one stunner best holder ever i would say it's those daughter wallets that are getting diluted to cause the market or those daughter wallets that are getting diluted and because that is they're just sitting there the market cap's higher and the apys are higher for everybody which by the way who controls these nobody knows just like satoshi who's satoshi nobody knows did he ever so, dump the price? Oh, nope. But but somebody would have instructed the origin wallet to send to these daughter wallets. So How do you know it's even a human? Maybe it's a DAO with voting. Maybe it's a machine. Maybe it's a foundation. Maybe it's an African well, priest. Who knows? Wouldn't it be important to know that there was a DAO if there was a DAO? The vast, the, the vast majority of uh, projects is trading is done by unknown parties. When you go to an exchange and you buy or sell, you have no idea who you're buying or selling against. In our system, it's more transparent, not less. So is the most transparent, oh, by the way, I made Uniswap popular myself personally. I'm the reason Uniswap's popular because I am the one that promoted it more than Hayden Adams or anyone on his team. We were hexagons, the majority of the volume and liquidity on their system for months. DeFi is popular because I made it so. Uniswap's popular because I made it so. And so for me to have the most transparent trading and then have to act like there's some type of shady hiding thing in here is weird to me. There's nobody with more transparent trading than us. of the origin wallet? I would never tell you that. Never. Okay. Do you have yeah. control of any daughter or son or sibling wallets? I would never tell you that. Okay. By the way, I would suggest that no one ever talk about their crypto balances that they hold. So I also won't tell you about any Bitcoin I may or may not hold. I won't tell you about any Ethereum I may or may not hold. I won't tell you about any stables I may or may not hold. And furthermore, there's this little thing in the United States called securities laws. And quick refresher on them, if you give money to a common pool with the expectation of profit solely from the work of others, and or there is essential managerial or entrepreneurial effort, then you might have a security. And that's a regulated activity. And so in anything that I do, you must have no expectation of profit from the work of others, period. Or you might have a security. And I'm not licensed to be issuing securities. So it's very important that people understand that when they sacrifice, they're doing it to support something that is a political speech issue. And if they happen to get a free token airdrop, congrats. Good for you guys. You got something for free. Okay. Um, and the same you, thing uh, happens with like these questions of what will I do? I will never do anything for you. Nothing. I don't work for you. And the Howie test is very happy fair. about that. You know what everyone you, else does, uh, by the way? Scammers. They promise you the moon and the sun and the stars, the opposite of what I do. And then they run away with your money. Do you provide any liquidity to these DEXs? You can do the chain analysis on that. From what I see, the majority of people that provide liquidity kind of have a lot of coins I would never ever buy in my life. And I've been asking them to move their liquidity off the Ethereum pair to the USDC pair. And they're not doing that either, probably because they like the 2x higher payouts on the APY basis. So there's a ton so of liquidity in the do system. You, do that you provide any liquidity? I will never tell you about system? my money, ever. <laughs> never. Okay. It's a good question. I mean, I give you crops for asking, but. I'll never tell you about it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about the the pulse chain and the um, uh, you know wh why why pulse chain why, why sure. not continue with hex? Oh, we still are. 
What do you mean? They amplify no, no, each I, other. Well, I, I shouldn't say that to imply that oh, they're sure. stopping hexes. No, they're, they're they amplify to. each other. So my hexagon okay. community was being murdered by fees by Vitalik. And then Vitalik doubled our fees higher than other people's fees and gave other people better deal than us. Why? Because we do actual business logic. We're actually innovative. And so we need to read and write from disk. And so what he did was he increased the cost of reading and writing to disk by, I think, 15 or 20 fold. And so stupid scam things that don't do business logic and don't need to read and write from disk very much, they got a discount on their transactions. And then people that do have to read and write disk that are doing interesting things, us, we got penalized. And so it was bad enough that it became sometimes $40 to send a hex transaction. That's not acceptable. Now I believe it's like 15 or 20, maybe 10. Um, what can I do to save my people? In order to save my people, I need to get these fees down. Okay, how can I get these fees down? You can't. It's a limited resource with a public auction and there's high demand, period. So the only way to reduce the price is to increase the supply. So when you go to eat at a McDonald's, if it's full all the time, they'll build another McDonald's. If you go to a gas station, it's full all the time, they'll build another gas station because that's the only way you can serve more people. And so I needed to increase the capacity of a useful blockchain in order to reduce the Ethereum fees for everybody by taking some of the load off of theirs. By the way, there's a lot of coins that don't function on Ethereum anymore because the fees are too high. They'll have a home on the Pulse chain. And even all of the coins that may not like Pulse, we got your ticker, we got your code, the liquidity is going into a separate pool you don't control, so you can't pull it even if you want to. Some people could, like USDC and USDT could just invalidate all the coins. Their users might sue them for doing that, so they might not do that. Um, so Okay, another question. Sure. Are you aware of any institutions that own any hex coin? I know publicly registered funds that own hex. I know billionaires that own hex. I've personally done phone calls with multi, multi-billion dollar uh, funds that want exposure to Pulse primarily right now. They like Pulse more than yeah. hex for some okay. reason. The, the last guys I talked to out of Singapore. Um, what about lending? Do you Is, is, is hex uh, marginable, essentially? No. Which is funny because now that means there's no pain in our chart. When you look at the Bitcoin and Ethereum charts, there's a lot of pain of liquidated shorts and a lot mm -hmm. of pain of liquidated longs. There's a lot of people that lost a lot of hours of sleep and a lot of fingernails and a lot of relationships by losing money margin trading. And there's none of that in Hex because you'd never be able to long it and short it anywhere. So our chart's the most pain-free chart in the history of crypto. And I think another... Why? Go ahead. Why does your market cap differ from like coin market caps market cap for hacks? Well, market cap. So here's another thing that's a huge scam in cryptocurrency that I'm the only person that'll tell you about. It's a good thing we talk because I'm the only guy that'll tell you these things. Everything drops 85%, everything except stables. Ethereum dropped 95, gross. Circulating supply is what's supposed to dictate market cap. Right. Everyone includes Satoshi's coins, which have never circulated. Never, ever moved, ever, in the circulating supply, which is multiplied by the price to get the market cap. So market cap just equals supply minus your feels as to how much you think is actually circulating times last traded price. So in Hex, first of all, is it reasonable that Hex's market cap goes down when people perform the best behavior in the system of locking up their coins and burning them? So that if everyone locked up their coins and there was only one left, you'd have an extremely low market cap, but extremely insanely wealthy users? No, it doesn't make sense. Is it intelligent that Satoshi's coins, which have never moved, count towards market cap? But in, in Hex, so like Coin Paprika doesn't include 
50% of the supply because they figured the OA had it, even though the OA has moved coins around, even though the OA is staked and unstaked or, or through, you know, daughter addresses or whatever. So, and I should be clear about that language. The coins that used to be in the OA and were transferred for reasons unknown to parties unknown, staked and unstaked, but the original location where they used to be was in the origin address. Other uh, sites like CoinMarketCap, they never even have updated the supply for years or, or a year and a half. And so they have a supply left over from way back when, and they just stopped updating it to show that the supply had increased because they're bad at their job. It's very easy to go on Etherscan and look at what the market cap is. You go to etherscan.io, you type hex, you click it. It literally shows you supply right there. Now, here's another thing that hex does. When we, when you lock your coins, it burns the coins, but in the contract, there's another thing called allocated supply. And that's the total of all the coins that exist plus all the coins that are locked. And so you could multiply allocated supply times uh, last traded price. You could, uh, you know, it, it's basically this, the coin ranking sites adjust you by what they feel like adjusting you by, and they'll find some way to manually modify what your circulating supply is to just put you at whatever rank they want. Okay. And so for something so, that says it's a coin market cap ranking site, they're not ranking you by your market cap. It's a lie. According to you, what yep. is your circulating or the circulating supply of hex and the total potential supply also known as the allocated supply would, would, would you I think I think that I think the total supply is like 660 billion of okay. of uh, I think the I think the 660 billion is just the ERC20 supply that doesn't include the locked and since about 10% is locked you'd have to add like roughly another 60 billion so you're maybe at like 720 billion total and then it looks like the market participants have different behavior profiles. So it would appear that people that have never staked, you could assume maybe they just continue not to because what would cause them to change behavior, right? Like we're making guesses based on chain analysis. Yeah, and it's what important. do you think is circulating? I mean, I think the most reliable number for people that you 100% know are retail users are the people that have stakes open. And uh, so if you well, you've if got you, about 17, 18 billion staked, you, you mentioned you've got six. Yeah, but, but, but we, Why is there a well, we said that 15% of that was OA daughters, right? So of the, well, of the nine of point the of the rough. Point. Yeah. So I think it's 9.76, but we'll call it 10 of the 10%. These are great questions, by the way. I wish more people would get into the real math because this is what the price cares about. It's a real math on chain, verifiable real math. So if 10% are staked and 15% of those shares are actually um, or OA daughter. daughters, yeah. then you could probably probably remove those from, uh, from your calculus for circulating. But look, this is a guess, right? They could stake at any point. We don't really know. They could sell at any point. We don't really know, right? No expectation. Because we profit. don't know who they are. They exactly. could be you. They could not be you. You got it. So, you know, in general, people that have large stakes of things tend to act in the best interest of the things. You don't usually see... Uh, people murdering their own bags like oh there's a, a goose that lays golden eggs let's shoot it in the head it's not that common mm. so it happens but it's, it's rather rare so i would say what is that so if you remove now look well let's just remove uh, the 15 percent. so what's 15 percent off a of 9.76 like eight percent's left yeah so let's say eight percent of 770 billion total is like what uh 60 60 b so let's say 60 billion times 30 cents. If you want to use the most harsh, like like we're removing 90% of the supply here. <laughs> like that's that's a pretty harsh penalty. And I think what you'll end up with actually is 
is what coin market cap has, but let's do the math. Uh, well, 60 I, I, I billion more, times point three zero. The amount that it's about is... about 20 billion. I think it's 20 billion yeah. cap. Yeah. So I think so, the harshest, remove all the supply you could dream, remove 90% of the supply, you end up with a 20 billion market cap currently. And by the okay. way, if you want to do that kind of math, if you like low market cap gems, then that math is even better for the price, right? Because now it's 20 instead of hundreds. But that well, same I thing applies the, to the multiple. If you what, measure what from the I'm day we launched, in, it's only like a, a 2,000x. If you, if you well, measure from I the bottom, it's a 10,000. Let's let's not care about the circulating supply, sure. that, that 10%. I yep. want to know about that 90% that's allocated but not circulating. Sure. Who has that? Nobody knows. But it's not that many addresses. Like, But it could be you. Sure. could be anybody. could be you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, maybe you, you might have an easy explanation for this. CoinGecko has your security on it at 63% as of October 23rd. What does what? that mean? I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. So we actually have multiple audits. So we got a chain security audit that was done, but it's under NDA, so we can't release it. And we got an audit from CoinFabric as well out of Argentina. Why would an audit be under NDA? Well, until you finish paying for them. So it works like this. You have to educate the auditor because they're not actually good at their jobs. Now, I hate to say that because I've got to go start looking for some more auditors for some more contracts soon. But in general, they're not actually good at their jobs. And so in order for them to audit your code properly, they have to understand your code. And then it takes your devs time to get them to understand what the code's supposed to do. And then they tell you the things that you could have just copy pasted from Ethereum developer security blog about reentrancy bugs and you know saving gas using external instead of internal, uh, or exter- external only instead of public function calls. And you, you just learn, you know, we already know all this stuff already. Right. And so the only thing that the chain security guys found was that someone could have pre-created a collision at great millions of dollars of cost to be able to free claim some extra stuff. And we, uh, prevented that with changing the way the Merkle hash was created. And then the coin fabric guys didn't find anything like they didn't, they just didn't find anything at all. And so for Merkle us to tree is kind of important. Can, can you go back up well, on sure. that really quick? What happened with the Merkle tree? Well, if you want a gas efficient way to, so for instance, it's very expensive to preemptively just shove stuff at people like a normal airdrop because you incur tons of fees. So right now, if you wanted to send an ERC 20 on Ethereum, it's about 10 bucks. So it costs you $10 just to send someone an ERC 20. It sucks. It's terrible. It's unreliable. And so what you do is instead you create a Merkle root which creates a Merkle tree. And then people can claim against that tree, proving that they had something that was a member of that set. And so you, if you proved that you had Bitcoin, then you could claim hacks for free from the Merkle tree. But and did so, you just say there was a problem with the code on that? Or I, I missed that. No, no. There, it, was a, it was a question of all of these blockchains are predicated on economic viability. If someone wants to DDoS every single Bitcoin node, they can, and then the network can and will go down. It's just prohibitively expensive. If, if governments want to make all the SHA-256 hash and force people to hard fork into a different proof of work, they can. It's just economically expensive. So a bug that well, says if someone's that, willing mean, to lose a ton of money to blow millions of dollars now on a coin that doesn't even have a price or a market yet to cause a free claim by finding collisions in, in this one like hash, yeah. all we had to do was add bits to the hash. So all the, the, the solution to this collision attack was just like, oh, we'll make it slightly more expensive for them. We added a okay. little bit of more okay. bits. 
Yeah. So there was a little revision that you threw in there. Got right. it. Uh, and and I, I mean, really, we're we're not yeah. really expecting collisions. We, if you uh, read the code, the code is amazing. Until we have quantum computing. Yeah. But um, the, the the code is amazing. But, so we do gas yeah. efficiency things like we use bit packing, which is combining multiple values into one storage slot to save money, and then we use bitwise shifts in the storage slot to pull from it more efficiently. We use caching. So we load things into memory, which is cheap instead of hitting disk, which is expensive. And then we only hit disk if we have to, because the cache said we had to. We have yeah, I, one I of wanna... the most advanced contracts that you could ever have with great comments, great flawless function, and you should read it. I mean, it's wonderful. It's wonderful code. Okay. I should read the code? Yeah, it's great. It's on. It's online. You go to Etherscan, click wait, wait, contract, wait, wait. and just read it. Okay, so so now, now I'm confused. Sure. Because what you're saying is that an auditor whom you haven't finished paying can't understand your code because it's too cryptic, but now you're suggesting- No, it's I just because they're bad at their job. No, okay. no, 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 look, the number of people in the world that could, code is hard and, and developers in crypto are usually trash. Real developers look down upon crypto developers. Real developers are better than crypto developers. Real developers have been developing for 40 plus years. Crypto developers haven't. And there's like Solidity, the code that runs Ethereum, it sucks. And Geth, the software that we forked and everyone else forked and that 90% of all Ethereum nodes use and 100% of all the mining nodes use, it sucks. And, and, and it, in order for it to become better, because it's open source, people have to force it to be better. How many, you know, Ethereum brags about having 20,000 plus developers. Guess what? Those 20,000 developers just add extra load to the five guys, five, that actually maintain the geth, which is all the nodes, which is Ethereum. I've got more than five devs. So this like, <laughs> people don't understand like how hard blockchain is. And so, it, so when I tell you that the, the auditors don't do their job very well, it's that they point out things that aren't bugs and then we have to explain to them why they're not bugs. And then they go, oh, okay. And you have this back and forth process. So instead of pulling my lead dev off of doing actual dev, which is, awesome and then educating the auditors we just are fine with one public audit and then the other private audit it's just private right and then so we, we couldn't we can't finish the contract until we get them to actually fix their audit to be accurate and we can't get them to fix their audit to be accurate until i take my lead dev off to educate them on everything and it's just too time consuming okay so yeah. so you're saying your auditor is under an NDA, which means they, they can't reveal any bugs or whatever because they're confused. No, NDA literally means that we can't brag. We, we can't publish incomplete audit results that we paid for. Look, the audit was like but 60 grand, bro. why would you brag about uh, if, if there are bugs and they're confused? And you also just said- No, because they, we, we cleared all those. Are you trying to make, are you trying to make it an issue like I'm screwing over my developer and not paying them or something? They got a new no, job. No, no. The development, so, so listen. The auditing team got hired by Ernst & Young and didn't really want to be doing auditing anymore. And so I wasn't going to pull my lead developer off of doing real development to go educate the audit team, which by the way, like they're actually good. Like I would, I would work with chain security again because in the frame of auditors, they're actually good, but they're not as good as my lead dev. It's just like book writing. When you write a book, the most important person is the author and you still take it to an editor and the, the editor still tries to improve it. But in the end, the, the, the author is what matters, not the editor. Okay. You're not gonna buy okay, a book because okay. so of the editor. Is no. the audit that's under NDA right or is it wrong? It's right, 
Like it, it okay. there are no bugs and they found no okay. bugs okay. and any bugs that they nope, found no we bugs. fixed. But in order for us to publish the audit, we have to make it, these audits are only as useful as they're useful for marketing because all of the security value we already got. We already fixed everything that they possibly could find, which was one okay. thing, the Merkle root claim. And by the way, the claim function has been over for a year. There is no claiming, okay. it's over. Did, the referral program did ended as well. Did you pay for that audit already? I think, I think it was 60 and I paid maybe 35 or 40 or something like that. So, so what's stopping you from paying for the rest of the audit? I would need to pull my lead dev to write the language as to how what they understood in these areas wasn't completely accurate and how this was fixed by this. And then there's back and forth and then they have to prove it and then they have to publish it. So like okay. I could do it, so, but I'd so rather- you disagree with some parts or wanna add clarity? Well, no, we, we, we all agree that it's secure now, but they don't wanna look bad having mentioned things that they said were bugs that aren't. I could go look it up, but then the question is, am I violating my NDA? Like I'm not, I'm not even sure how much of the content of their stuff I'm allowed to share with you. Like I'd have to go reread the NDA. Like I might be in violation just telling you what I just told you. I'm not sure. So I hope I'm not. You made the NDA, right? No, it's theirs. That's theirs. Okay. What do I, why would I, I don't, what do I need an NDA for? It's all public. <laughs> like we're going to release the, the, like there's no reason for me as the guy buying it. The only reason you buy it is to make it public. I would prefer it be public. Why would I want to hide so that? If there's that, a problem with the code, I just go fork the network and make the code You would again. want the audit to be yes. public. So, but what you're Correct. saying is you'll make it public after your lead dev provides commentary on it. If it's important to you, I'll spend the 20 or 30 on it, but I'd have to have another dev do it because my, my lead dev's working on something better currently. So PulseX matters more, PulseChain matters more. We already know the code's perfect because there's hundreds of millions of dollars to be gotten by hacking it. Like we've like, of the many things you could worry about, the code is not it. The code is beautiful. It's okay. amazing. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, let me put it this way. What else is there that I didn't ask you because I'm out of questions and sure. I'm out of time. Yeah. Um, we should show our stuff. My audience is watching. You should tell them about you and then I should no, tell no, my no, people no, about no, us. No, 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 no. This isn't about me. It's about you. All right. Uh, hi, Richard Hart here, a serial entrepreneur, retired, uh, retired self-made millionaire at the age of 20 or no, 25 actually, and uh, created the world's best performing asset, 100% uh, perfect flawless operation, more secure than Bitcoin, better price performance um, by like 250X your Bitcoin, or maybe it was 250X your Ethereum, 750X your Bitcoin, I'd have to look it up. Uh, most open and transparent trading in the world. I'm doing the world's largest airdrop uh, for free. You don't have to do anything for everyone that has any Ethereum coins at all. And that's, you could go use that testnet right now. That's pulsechain.com. And we're also doing a, uh, another sacrifice phase to support freedom of movement and assembly, which are very important. You know, the difference between being in prison or not is where you get to go. And so if you don't get to go where you want to go, maybe you're a little bit in prison. It's not so nice. So that's coming up at pulsex.com. It's a fork of Uniswap and it'll have a ton of liquidity at the Pulse Chain launch because it's harvesting SushiSwap and Uniswap for most of their PRC20s and putting them into itself. And then I've got free books, t.me slash Sivive. I wrote a couple free self-help books. I make great price calls. If you want to follow me at twitter.com slash Richard Hart win, uh, or youtube.com slash Richard Hart, you know, I can't give anymore. And we raised $27 million for charity. So free coins, free price calls, free self-help materials, free chat rooms. There's like 65,000 people in the pulse chain chat room. I can't give away more. I can't do more free stuff or do more good for the world. Like, 
I will say you've got one heck of an audience. Uh, Thanks, uh, man. Not just audience, but community. Yeah. Good job. I think, I think the important thing for your listeners is it's vital that you guys get crypto right because financially to you, cryptocurrency is more valuable than anything else you'll ever done in your entire life. If you get this right, you can make a million times your money. And that's impossible in any other industry. Impossible. So if you get crypto right, you'll be financially free for life. If you get it wrong, you'll lose everything. You buy a rug pull, it goes to zero, you lose everything. So you get hacked. People get hacked all the time. Fake live stream giveaways. They'll take a copy of this live stream, restream it, and then put a scam border around it. Send one coin, get two back. And you can't report them enough and they never go down. It's disgusting. Yeah, it is disgusting. That you are completely right about. Well, I've got to run. I really appreciate your time.